Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Greg Pickett. Welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. We need some new music for this, Matt. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can dig maybe, up. I, th- we, I think Slayer. Maybe, I think Slayer went on permanent hiatus, so maybe maybe we need money, money, from. money, or we need money, 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 or something like that. I don't. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so well, well, welcome back. I'm here with uh, back with Matt Johnson. Matt is uh, my producer. He is uh, an author. When's your book? Uh, when's your book coming out? Uh, about a month from now, actually. Awesome. And what's the title? Micro Famous, How to Become Famously Influential to the Right People. Very good. And Matt also runs the Micro Famous podcast. That's right. So look him up as well. But, uh, and uh, he's a great source of information on you know, business today, tomorrow, and making yourself better. So, hey, thanks for coming on, Matt. What's happening Always in California? Well, sad. we're recording this the week after Thanksgiving. It is cold, rainy, and, and just dreary here in California. So it doesn't feel like I'm in California right now. So we press through. Cold and dreary and rainy versus fires. <laughs> well, okay, fair point. Although the one, one does pave the way for mudslides, believe it or not. So it's, there you yeah, go. Which, okay. you, which you know all about because you've lived out here. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. I moved out to California from the Midwest to escape the winter. And right now I'm in the throes of it. There you go. So welcome to uh, welcome to our, the rest of our worlds. <laughs> but uh, so, what, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about? How do you know if you're world class? So you and I were chit chatting last week, talking a little strategy, and uh, we got into a conversation about this and decided, hey, this we should probably turn this into a podcast episode. So we're back, yeah. and we're going to actually have some of that interesting conversation on <laughs> in a recorded form for other people to listen. But. Um, there, there was a couple of things like there were some conversations that you were having behind the scenes with executives in the aviation space that kind of triggered this thought, which is how, how do you know? How do you know that you're world class? You can be confident in yourself. You can be doing a great job or think you're doing a great job. You can be working for a great company and the company's growing. None of that necessarily means you're world class. So what's your, what's your perspective on it? How do you know? Well, you know, I think I, the only way, look, I think the only way to know is constantly be looking and chatting and seeing what your competitors are doing and you know, really be focusing outside. Um, yeah, I talked to a CEO one time and he's like, you know, I've got a world-class team. I said, really, how do you know? And they've all been there a long time. You know, there's no turnover in his company. He's like, we've got a world-class team. How do you know? Are you having conversations with people outside your company? Are you talking to your competitors, you're bringing in your competitors, executives and seeing what they do. And, you know, is there anything different? So look, I think at the end of the day, the only way to understand is if you're world-class is to really look out in the world and see what the world, the world is doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that, you know, that thought is getting more and more popular um, as the world becomes, you know, smaller and smaller and smaller. But I still think that there are people who are very, very insulated and they think that they're world class. And you go, you know, tell me three reasons why you think that. And they couldn't 
you know, they couldn't do it. Well, yeah, it, it'd be very, um, it'd be very, uh, a, a very short conversation. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about this because both you and I pay attention to the, the NFL and it's interesting that you can be, you can be one of the 50 best players at your positions in the world. And if it's the wrong position, you're not even playing pro football. There's only 32 teams and they need first string quarterbacks. They used to have three. Now they have maybe a backup if that, and then a punter. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if you're not one of the 50 or 60 best people in the world, you're not playing at all. Like you're out on the street, you're coaching high school football. If you're not one of the top 15 in the world, you're considered a loser because you're average or below average as a starter. So it's interesting, you know, guys come into the league and of course these are guys that win Heisman's, they win national championships. They've, they've been winners since they were in seventh grade. They've usually been the best athlete on the field for most of their careers and they set mm-hmm. foot in the NFL and they realize that this is a different animal. And if I'm yep. not one of the 10, 5, 10, 15 best people in the entire world at what I do, I'm about to be declared a loser. And we don't get that I, a lot in the business world. I have that conversation. Yeah, the best high school, you know, if we're going to do sports analogies, you got, let's just say, how many kids play high school football in the United States? Five million? A couple million? Okay. So from a couple million kids play high school football, and then you want to go to Division I college, and you want to play at the next level. Well, there's 125 Division I football teams, each with maybe 100 players. Mm-hmm. So now you've gone from a couple million to 12,500, and then you go to the pros, and you say of that 12,500, 250 get drafted, Mr. Irrelevant is number 200. I think it's 250. And out of that 250, 200 make teams. So you're going, what? Well, wait a minute, world class. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of that rookie season, how many of those world class players get to come back in year two? Right. How many of those world class players get to come back in year three? You know, a world class team today, you know, People get on your game. They understand. They understand how to compete with you. They understand your product. They develop a better product. And, you know, just because you're world-class today, you know, doesn't mean you're going to be world-class tomorrow. It's about doing everything you can today to stay one step ahead of your competition tomorrow. And that means constantly adjusting, constantly improving, constantly doing better with everything. And 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 you know, pushing yeah, pushing the goal down the you know, the ball down the field. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. So as we're recording this, it, the timing is interesting, especially that we that we're talking football analogies because um, uh, some of you may, listening may know, like Ron Rivera was just fired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers after nine years and a pretty good run, arguably. Mm-hmm. You know, taking taking them to the Super Bowl in a fifteen to one season, like not not a bad coach by by any stretch of the imagination, but. How do you know if you're world-class? Because then you have to stack up against the Bill Belichicks and the Pete Carrolls of the world. And then you find out real quick, okay, there's a second, there's a second tier down and there's a lot of coaches in it. And you can claim to be world-class until you have a sustained track record of always losing to, to the world-class coaches. And you feel bad, right? But the bottom line is, yeah, if you're not, you know, Sean McVay is another great example. It takes the Rams to the Super Bowl last year. This year, they're struggling to win you know, and beat mediocre teams for a lot of the same reasons. Let's bring it back to, we'll bring it back to aviation and aerospace. You know, Gulfstream aircraft back in the 80s, 1980s, 
was considered the you know, the gold standard of airplanes. It was a good airplane. Mm-hmm. It was a mediocre company. Mm-hmm. You know, in the early '90s, it was 72 hours away from shutting its doors down. It got a big money injection from private equity. Mm-hmm. The question private equity asked: How do we know if we're world class? The best thing that happened to Gulfstream was a competitor came into the spectrum, and that was Bombardier. Gulfstream designed a pretty good jet, which was the, the Gulfstream 5. Mm-hmm. Bombardier matched it with the Global Express. You know, these two guys were not, these two companies were knocking it head to head, and they still are. And you're thinking, hey, look, you know, the best thing for Gulfstream to make it world class, a world class manufacturer, a world class designer, a world class producer of great business aircraft was its number one competitor, Bombardier. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, yeah. Designing big jets was no longer a layup anymore in the business aviation arena. There was a competitor. Yeah. Competition makes you better. Yeah. And I think when you embrace your competition, when you respect your competition and do everything you can to knock the socks off your competition every day, that gets you to world class. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, I think world class is kind of like you know, friends and money. Can you ever have enough? Um, <laughs> is there ever a limit? Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's it's like that elusive, but you know, it's it's always that desire to to get better. I think at the end of the day, the only way you get better is by constantly looking outside of your own environment and understanding, you know, what the other guy is doing better than you. Yeah. And yeah, working to to get better. Yeah, and let's and speaking of bringing it back, let's let's bring it back to the boardrooms and the C suites that are making decisions on the team. How do you know if you built a world class team, especially when you're in charge, when you're the one making the hiring decisions? Yeah, that's a great conversation. And you know, world class is, you know, are we continually getting better, doing better? You know, are we are we making more money? Are we saving more money? Are we finding innovative ways to move forward or are we just having meetings that are saying the same thing each and every day? Are we stagnant? Mm -hmm. If, if the gains every day or, you know, let's just go, if the, if the annual gains are minimal Mm -hmm. and nobody's offering any better ideas to make, you know, significant improvements, then you probably don't have a world-class team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a little bit of where, you know, where I'm, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. people that bring fresh ideas and they say, you know, look, innovative ways. How does CEO say to me one time, his name was Roger Wolf. And Roger uh, looked at me and said, Hey, look, there's only two people I want in my organization right now. People who can make me a lot of money, or people who can save me a lot of money. Everybody else is overhead. Mm-hmm. And I think the world-class team, the world-class boardroom is the one that is bringing new and fresh ideas and they have a great perspective of the environment outside the company and understands how to you know, move the ball down the field. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Somebody asked you about your own 
thought leadership. You know, how, how are you staying up to date on the trends and things like that? And, and you had the best answer, which is that you host a podcast where you talk to the top people in the industry every single week. Like that's how, that's how you do it. And because of that, that really is the only way to do it. The only way to get the real inside scoop on stuff is you have to be talking to the players. You have to be talking to people. And if you're in an organization, as you pointed out, you have to be talking to people that are outside of it. Because if all you do is spend your time talking to the people that are inside your organization, you don't get, you typically don't get fresh ideas that way. Right. I can, I can have uninformed opinions about anything in the world. Right. You know, I could pull stuff out of my head and barf it on the internet like a lot of people do. And you know, you're just another person with an opinion. But when you, you, know, you formulate an opinion and you say, well, this is based off you know, three Wall Street Journal articles I've read and two conversations with a couple of CEOs and a couple of VPs of HR and one or two of the top analysts in the industry, all of a sudden that's not just an opinion. That is an, a formulated hypothesis on, on business. Yep. And that's... You know, the best way to stay ahead of the trends is to be talking to your competitors, to be talking to your suppliers, to be talking to everybody around you in the industry who, you know, sees the environment through a different lens than you and provides a more clear picture. Yeah, I read something years ago. It was about the difference between when, when Ross Perot was on the board. I think it was of either GM or Chrysler, one of the two. And basically, he spent all of his weekends out at dealerships, talking to the dealers and talking to customers one-on-one. And then he would come back to the board and yell at everybody else about why they weren't doing that, because that's exactly where all the best ideas came from. General Motors. True story about General Motors. Okay. Back in the 80s and 90s, they built really crappy cars. They just, they built junk. And a good friend of mine used to call on General Motors executives twice a week. And he would say, here's why they build, here's why they build junk. You know, because all of their executives had front row parking. They all got new cars every five, six, 10,000 miles. So they all got a shiny new car. And if the car needed washing, they would just hang a tag on the rear view mirror. And some guy with a truck would come by and wash this car. So the leadership of General Motors did not understand what the guy who had to drive a 60, 70,000, 80,000, 100,000 mile car looked like after 80 or 100,000 miles. Yeah. How did they know they were building world-class products if they never experienced world-class you know, they never had the experience of the everyday person. Mm-hmm. Toyota understood it. General Motors did not. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's yeah. a great story. General Motors makes a pretty good car now. You know, they, 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 they tend to make a pretty good car, pretty good truck. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, things are, di- it's things are different. 20 years. It's, we were recording this on the brink of 2020. I would say if you ask the average consumer, which country makes the better quality vehicle, I bet Japan would still win eight out of 10 times. Is that true? Well, I don't does, know. Does it matter? Does it matter? But it, yeah. it just it was a, it was an interesting it was an interesting conversation to have with a you know a senior vice president caliber executive who was calling on you know the CEOs and the senior vice presidents of General Motors mm-hmm. a couple times a week. 
to say they just don't understand, you know, what world class is because they never experience what you and I have to experience with our with our cars. Yeah. My wow. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you know you're world class. You got to have conversations. You got to have to uh, pay attention to the competition and make sure that you're actually talking to people that know. All right. Yep. Craig, what's the best way to reach out and connect with you? 910-509-7129 is my phone number. Email craig at northstaresg.com. Website's northstaresg.com. That's where this podcast will be posted on top of LinkedIn and Podbean and iTunes. Yeah, so iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, make sure to go leave a review uh, or a rating at least. So if you leave a five-star rating, uh, if, even if you don't leave some comments there, obviously we love the comments and we read all of them. But if you don't have time, just head on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes on your, on your computer. Give us a five-star rating on the podcast. Uh, that's really huge for us because it lets other people know that, that people out there are enjoying it and considering it a really high quality, super informative, useful show. So make sure to do that. Craig, thanks as always. Thanks for being on, Matt.